want to encourage you to take your Bibles and open in them to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, beginning in verse 42. As you turn there, I want to remind you that back in December, I promised a message to remind us of our overall trajectory here at North Roanoke, what it is that we are aiming for. Our, our aim at North Roanoke Baptist Church is the glory of Christ our King. We exist for the glory of the one who has come to rescue us. This means, church, that we've got to live for Christ. We've got to live under his rule. We've got to live as his people in obedience to his word, unashamedly pointing others to Christ along the way. I like to summarize all of this with this long sentence. At North Roanoke Baptist Church, we want to be Christ's church We want to impact the Roanoke Valley, and we want to reach the world with the precious gospel of Christ, all for the glory of King Jesus. Jesus is not just our Savior. He is our leader. He is our ruler. He is our King. So for us to glorify Christ as King, it is helpful to be reminded of what it looks like to be a healthy church. Notice I said not a big church, I said a healthy church. I believe if we're a healthy church that God will make us a bigger church. But if we focus on being a bigger church just because it's easier to be big, that we'll never be healthy. We've got to be a healthy church and trust God to make us a big church. In Acts chapter 2 verses 42 through 47, we see an early picture of a local church. You remember the context well, right? It's right after Pentecost, they were together praying in the Spirit descended like a mighty rushing wind, and they heard Peter's Pentecost sermon, and now we've got 3,000 believers in the city of Jerusalem. No committees, no deacons, no traditions binding them or holding them back from the pursuit of what God would have them to do. No church-owned buildings. We have a tendency, church, to define church more by the things that we've added to it, than by the things that the Bible says are essential. My hope this morning is that we can get a clear picture of what the Bible says church must be, and that we would aspire to those things before all other things. My my vision for 2020 is that we would have a 2020 vision of what God says His church is to be about. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? Verse 42 of Acts chapter 2. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles and All those who had believed were together and had all things in common, and they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. You may be seated. 
God, we ask in the moments to come that you would give us a clear picture of your design for your church and that you would give us hearts that are eager to pursue it. Lord, that we would pursue it not for our sake, but for the sake of Christ our King, who is worthy of our devotion and of our obedience. And God, because the world needs to see it. The world needs local churches that take seriously what the Word says about the local church. Lord, they need a witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ that is visible, a visible demonstration of your love for us and its power to change lives right here in this community. God, we ask that North Roanoke would be evermore striving to be one of those places, one of those peoples, one of those churches that you are using to draw men day by day up into the kingdom of God. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning I want to share with you some things that I, I, I believe would be good for us to see happen by 2020. Or at least begin to be happening by the year 2020. Things that I believe flow naturally from a clear vision of what the church is to be about. So today I want to speak to you about a vision for 2020 that will require us to have 2020 vision. Laser focus on being a healthy, Christ-honoring church before all other things. Now we've got to be careful, right? Acts 2.42 and following is a descriptive passage of Scripture. In other words, there's some things we see in here that aren't normative for the church. It, if you keep reading in the epistles, you don't find every church selling all that they have and giving it all away. The church is not, for example, to be a socialist commune. We don't see signs and wonders all the time in every place. Once the gospel takes hold, it is the gospel that stands on its own. But there are, nevertheless, some things that we see in Acts 2, 42 and following which should characterize every healthy church of God. And I'm hoping in the moments to come that we can tease those things out. And then as we tease them out, we can, we can agree in the Lord and in the Spirit who unites us that we want to see these things happen at North Roanoke Baptist Church for the glory of Christ our King. It's, it's easy in, in 2019 to become cluttered in our lives and for our minds and our thoughts about what church is to be uh, far beyond what the Bible says. And my hope this morning is that we can sort of clean out the closet we can declutter, and we can declutter by getting a clear vision of what God has said about His church. So if we're going to be the uncluttered church of Christ, there's several things we see in this passage that we must do. First, we must be devoted to God's Word. Second, we must pursue authentic Christian community. Third, we must worship God together. Fourth, we must seek the good of our community. And finally, we must expect God to give the increase. We can do all these things, but it's God who must do the work. It's God must, who must give the increase. So first, we must be devoted to God's Word. Do you see that in verse 42? The church is not devoted to Chris Tomlin. The church is not devoted to Lifeway devotionals. The church is devoted, what? To the apostles' teaching. They're devoted to the Word of God. They're not even devoted, get this, to the teachings of Jesus. But they're devoted to the teachings of the apostles who help us understand Jesus in light of the Old Testament. The church is a group of people who are devoted to Christ according to the scriptures. They are devoted to the word of God. Think about that word devotion. They aren't casual about the word of God. They aren't indifferent about the word of God. 
Devotion means to continue steadfastly in something. It conveys intensity, consistency, passion. You see, church, the church that treasures Christ will treasure the word of Christ. Why? Because it is in the word of God that we behold Christ the word and we become more like him. John 5.39, Jesus says that the religious leaders were searching the scriptures looking for eternal life. But the scriptures were meant to show them Christ who is eternal life. The way we are devoted to Christ is through devotion to his word. Devotion to the Word of God means we don't put our feelings or our desires or our preferences above what God has said. Rather, we ask the Spirit of God in accordance with the Word of God to shape our feelings, to shape our desires, and to give us preferences which are in accordance with His Word. This is why we work through books of the Bible on Sunday mornings. We'll be back in Mark beginning next week, hopefully concluding Mark by Easter. It is why we discuss and apply the sermon on Wednesday nights. It is why many Sunday school classes are working their way through the gospel project. We're in just three years, our children and our students and many adults will cover the lion's share of the scriptures of Christ, showing us Christ and his mission from Genesis to Revelation. It is why Ethan is teaching our students not his opinion about topics covered in the Bible, but actually how to read the Bible and how to know and live for Christ, to whom it points in every part of their lives. Of course, devotion to God's Word requires more than just hearing it. It requires more than even reading it or studying it or discussing it or praying it. Ultimately, to be devoted to the apostles' teaching or to be devoted to the Word of God, we must be doers of the Word and not mere, merely hearers who delude ourselves, James 1, 22. You see, at North Roanoke, we want to be devoted to God's Word as an expression of our devotion to Christ. If you're a UVA fan and you call yourself devoted to UVA football but you never watch a football game and you never put on the UVA hoodie or the UVA hat, you're not a devoted fan. Devotion to the Bible means doing what the Bible says even when it's hard, even when it changes our preferences, even when what it says is unpopular. As many of you may know by now, I like the Virginia Tech Hokies. But you know what? I have major respect for UVA fans who don't give up hope and keep wearing the gear every football season. You can't find many of them, let's be honest. But I have major respect when I go to Valley View Mall and that guy's got the UVA hoodie and the UVA hat in the middle of football season and you know they don't stand a chance against Tech come November, but I respect that guy because he's devoted. But you know what we do with the Word of God? When it gets challenging, when push comes to shove, when the culture says, well, what about this issue that the Bible speaks to? What about that issue that the Bible speaks to? And the church says, well, let me see how many ways I can apologize for what the Bible says. Let me see how many ways I can hedge or change or corrupt what God has clearly said in order to accommodate the culture, in order to remain popular. We tend to compromise on the portions of Scripture that are most at odds with the world but we will not do that at North Roanoke because we are not fair weather fans of the Bible. We are fans of the Bible because it is the thing that shows us Christ completely and clearly. And we will not compromise one whit on the word of God. We treasure the word because it shows us Christ and his way of life for all people in every generation. 
Okay, pastor, we hear you. I hope so. I pray so. Doing the word means being willing to take church membership seriously, not just the issue of homosexuality seriously. It means being willing to ask members of the local church to give themselves to Christ and to one another in prayer, in sacrifice, in service, attendance, and participation. It means we refuse to gossip or to backbite. It means we encourage one another to be consistent in our attendance because we recognize that we need the Word of God. It is life to us. It means the Bible's emphasis on, for example, men mentoring men and women mentoring women is not some sort of uh, crazy agenda that the church has. It's simply something that flows out of the gospel. It's not something that we consider outdated or outmoded. It's fundamentally biblical. It's right there in Titus chapter 2. Doing God's word means the apostles' commands for church members to know and love and serve one another will take precedence over our preferences every single time, whether it's worship style, sermon length, or whatever else. To be Christ's church, our common devotion to the Word of God must be greater than our devotion to any lesser things. Otherwise, we're not devoted to God's Word. Y'all here this morning? All right. Number two. Look at what happens when we're really devoted to the Word of God. When we're really anchored around something that unites us, that comes from God Himself, it creates authentic Christian community. When what binds us is not our preferences that are less than God's Word, but it is God's Word itself, it builds a community that is remarkable, that is powerful in its togetherness. So secondly, we must regularly participate in authentic Christian community. The early church was marked by a remarkable togetherness. Do you see it in verse 46? They met house to house. The church didn't have lifeway. They didn't have personal devotions. They didn't have smartphones with apps for quiet times with God. They had one another. They had the teaching of the apostles that they heard and considered together. In this city of perhaps 100,000 people, there are now 3,000 Christians across the city gathering to hear the apostles' teaching and then dispersing to discuss the truths and the implications of the gospel in their lives. The first church in the Bible, by chapter 2 of Acts, is a regional megachurch with a massive small group program. Let me say that again. There's a lot of people say, man, I just want a small church. I want a family church. I want a church where I know everybody. Where is that in the Bible? Nowhere. The church is an ever-growing, ever-expanding, city-overtaking mechanism, organism that God wants for the growth and upbuilding of His kingdom. We must decrease and He must increase. And as that happens, He draws the nations to Himself. The first church in the Bible is a regional megachurch with a massive small group program. It's in the small group that you're connected. It's in the small group that you're discussing the sermon and the teaching in the Bible together. And weekly, you're worshiping with a bunch of people you don't know and you don't care because you're united by the Spirit of God and the Gospel of God. And it's awesome to see what God is doing when He's adding to your number day by day by day. Church, the idea that a Christian could live 
life without other Christians in the first century church would have been crazy talk. The idea that they're going to sit at home and not worry about a local church would have been ben- just bonkers crazy. You've got to have community with one another. Aside from strong Bible teaching, many churches are missing out on authentic Christian community. The church was not only devoted to the word, but do you see the next word there in verse 42? They were devoted to fellowship. Fellowship is more than sitting around a nice box of Krispy Kreme donuts with a hot cup of coffee and talking about UVA's domination of Virginia Tech last week. That's fun, but that's not fellowship. Fellowship is spiritual oneness. Partnership, participation, vulnerability, and intimacy with one another. You see, church, our lives have to be more than what happens at the building on Sundays if we wish to enjoy the sort of gospel-centered connectedness that Christ desires for His people. Our lives must be more than what happens at the building on Sundays if we wish to enjoy the sort of gospel-centered connectedness that Christ desires For his his people. We were remade in Christ to crave gospel conversations. Yes, preferably preferably with bread. Do you see that? Fellowship, bread, prayer. Or I like to substitute brownies for the word prayer. I mean for the word bread there. You see, the sort of prayer that we are longing for is the prayer that manifests itself after we get to know one another. It's the prayer that emerges from trust that comes as we share our lives with one another. Look look back over the passage that we just read. You see the word everyone in verse 43. All those who believed were together, verse 44. They were of one mind, verse 46. They were taking their meals together, verse 46. What is lacking in most churches in the United States today is the sort of contributions, the sort of fellowship that God wants us to make in one another's lives, and those contributions only happen where there is deep, real intimacy with one another. Few churches, few churches make the transition from what I call comfortable fellowship, donuts and sports talk, to transformational fellowship. Hi, my name's Daniel and my life's a wreck. This morning, and I'm here begging you to remind me of the truth of the gospel. Here's what's really going on in my life. Would you pray with me and for me and remind me of who my Savior is and the power that He has and what the Spirit has done for me? You see, real fellowship requires us to lay aside our pride and to be real with one another in an environment of trust. And I believe what God would have us to do as a church family as we move forward is to lay down our pride and to be real with one another so that Christ might really get all of us. That He would get below the surface knowledge that we have of the Bible and that the knowledge that we have of God on Sunday morning would begin to transform us from the inside out Monday through Saturday. See, Daniel, that's kind of radical. It is. Especially in a very hyper-individualistic culture where we don't have time and we're busy. We don't have time for people. I can barely make it to church on Sunday. What are you talking about, Pastor? But look at what happens when we do this. Verse 46, do you see it? There is gladness and sincerity of heart. Do you crave gladness and sincerity of heart? 
then we've got to move to the level of authentic Christian community. What the Christian craves, what she needs for devotion to the Word, to turn into joyful growth and godliness is authentic Christian community. Small groups where we enjoy food, discuss life, the sermon, pray gospel-centered prayers, and continually invite our friends. You say, Daniel, that is so idealistic. That would never happen. Really? It's already happening, church. It's happening in a group that we call the Young Professionals. They're gathering around the Word on Tuesday nights and God is at work. They're tired of going through the motions of church. Instead, they're talking about their own sin and holiness. They're repenting of past sins and returning to Christ. They're sharing the gospel and inviting their friends. And guess what? They know how to eat. They've invited me a few times. And it's good. I didn't know young pros knew how to cook. I mean, I thought you had to wait like 40 years to figure out how to cook. These, these folks cook good. I'd like to see us multiply this, church. It'd certainly be helpful to have an executive pastor in place to help us train leaders and to coordinate groups and rotate child care for groups who would rather meet at the building than in their homes. But this does not mean doing nothing now. In the meantime... I want to urge every single one of you, if you're not in a Sunday school class, to get in a Sunday school class and begin to find a friend in the gospel. For those of you who are already a part of a Sunday school class, take it to the next level and tell your teacher, hey teacher, I am so thankful that you labor in the Word every single week. I see your devotion to the Word, but now I want to help our class become a class that is characterized by authentic Christian community. So I'm going to open up my home once a month. Or twice a month. And I'm going to provide the food and I'm going to host. And we're going to go back through the word of God together. And we're going to really share our lives with one another. And we're not just going to pray about physical needs. We're going to pray for one another. We're going to let the word change us from the inside out. And some of you here this morning might say, Hey, look, I could lead a sermon discussion group in my home on a Tuesday night or a Thursday night. I I want to do that. Let me know. I can train you fairly quickly. And who knows what God might do. Number three, we've got to worship God together. We must worship God together. Do you see verse 43? Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. Literally, the text says, fear was occurring to every soul. A proper fear of God flows from a devotion to His Word and the pursuit of authentic Christian community. When we are devoted to the Word and to fellowship, we will be terrified terrified at the thought of undermining the awesomeness of the God who has saved and is saving us. Like the church in Jerusalem, we will not stop coming together to praise. Do you see that verse 47? They just kept coming together to praise God, to praise God, to praise God. The one who breaks the power of canceled sin in our lives. We are exploring currently at North Roanoke. I've mentioned this to the deacons and the long range planning committee will meet Uh, Later this week, we are exploring the feasibility of beginning to modernize the sanctuary in which you are now seated. Not just because, by the way, new flooring and fresh paint and contemporary colors are good ideas, and they are. Not even because padded chairs are more comfortable than wood-backed pews or that our projection and lighting should be vastly improved to aid in seeing the words and the songs. Those are all Good reasons, good practical reasons, but there's also a biblical reason. The church at Jerusalem was of one mind, verse 46, 
And even when they were 5,000 strong, 5,000 strong, Acts 5.12 tells us that they came together to worship in one place. It's much easier for a church to be of one mind when a church regularly worships together. At least occasionally. With some relatively minor changes, it should be possible to seat our entire congregation here in the sanctuary more comfortably in some regular all-together services. We can also create an environment that's more welcoming to guests who are unfamiliar with our building and an environment that meets people where they are in terms of making the most of the advances in audiovisual technologies and perhaps even offering a quality cup of joe on their way in to worship. And what we must keep in mind, church, is that a renovated sanctuary is only a step in the right direction. Yes, it will help our volunteers in the meantime. Chair setup won't have to take place over in the gym. The soundboard won't have to be brought in and out every single week. Our musicians will be able to know the acoustics of one room rather than two. And yes, it will be beautiful. But there's nothing in the world more beautiful than Christ and His bride reaching others. So I want you to hear this and hear this well, church. The building that God really wants to renovate is us, His people. The building that Christ really wants to build is us, His people. The living stones who are a kingdom of priests to a lost world that still needs to know Christ. So what does this mean? It means that anything that we may end up doing in our sanctuary must not be the end, but only a part of the process. Our motivation must be to glorify Christ, to show others how amazing that He is, and to be able to have a place to gather with all the new people that God will bring into the family until the sanctuary is simply not large enough. May God hasten that day. May God hasten that day. And as we think about worship, we are looking for a, will be looking for, relatively soon, a new worship leader. And as we search, I want you to know we're going to search for a man to help us in worship. We're looking for someone who is in awe of God. Someone who is overjoyed by the gospel. Someone who understands that God has given us singing to declare His worth together as one family united in worship and to help us get the truths and the implications of the gospel deep into our lives. We must be a family that worships together. Number four, we must seek the good of our community and the good of all nations. Look at verse 47. This church had favor with all the people. Now we know that their favor didn't last forever because by Acts chapter 8 they're on the run. They're being persecuted there's going to be times that we must fight or we must flee for the sake of the gospel. And those instances are on the rise even in these United States of America. But we must not be angry or bitter or vengeful. Listen to Paul in Romans 12. He says, never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Back in the Old Testament in Jeremiah chapter 29 when the people of Judah were in exile in Babylon. Listen to what God said to them. He didn't say be mad at Babylon. Listen to what he said. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will have welfare. 
Church, we want to be a pipeline of God's blessing in the Roanoke Valley. We want to seek the good of our city. When the Lord gives us an opportunity to be a blessing, it only magnifies our appreciation for how God has blessed us. This year, if we meet the budget, we will spend more than $10,000 directly in the Roanoke Valley, helping ministries like the Blue Ridge Women's Center, hosting ELL classes, hosting parents' nights out, supporting the Hollands Fire and Rescue, helping a World Changers team come into our city for a week, helping feed teachers and students over at Burlington and Mountain View, providing medical supplies for the nurse over at Northside, hosting wind-shaped camps for communities, and who knows what other doors God's going to open for us to be a pipeline of His blessing right here in the Roanoke Valley. We are intentionally striving to be a church in Roanoke for Roanoke that looks like Roanoke. So as much as it depends upon us and so long as we don't compromise the Word of God, we want to have favor with all people so that all people can get the gospel. You say, all right, pastor, what does that mean? Well, in the near term, I believe God would be pleased if we could start right here with our own building. If we could modernize our spaces to serve preschoolers of the modern era. Now you might say, well, we we don't have too many preschoolers right now, and that's true. And I would argue that part of the reason we don't have many preschoolers is because we don't have a space that looks like the spaces that preschoolers see everywhere else they go. In other words, the spaces of the world do a better job of saying they love preschoolers than the spaces of our church. We need facilities that are as beautiful as the people who are serving our preschoolers. Because when all the young pros who are coming to our church right now get married and they do what young married people do, we need a place for their babies. Are y'all here? Young pros, I see a couple of you. That means getting married and having babies is a good thing. One of the primary times, church, that people return to church or come for the first time is when they have children. Having a child puts things in perspective. For the sake of our community and the glory of Christ, we need to be ready when young parents come. We need to be ready with good facilities, quality coffee, clear signage, and friendly faces to take them where they need to go. Not to point, but to take them to where they need to be. Of course, we want to do more than just impact the Roanoke Valley. We also want to reach the world. Unlike the church in Jerusalem, we don't want to sit around on our hands and wait for persecution to send us out into the world. We want to go into the world now in obedience to our Savior's command. This is why we're praying that God would raise up at least five missionary units to be on the ground or in training by 2030. It's one of the reasons that we should encourage families to consider international adoption It is why Pastor Hobe is working to mobilize us both locally and globally for the sake of our King. It is why we now have budgeted more than $25,000 to help our people get out of the city and on the international mission field year after year. Now, for some of you business-minded types who are here this morning, saying this is crazy talk, there's no way we can modernize a sanctuary and a preschool and do all these things. How can we do it? By the way, I'm one of those business-minded types, so it's okay. But I want to ask you to visualize for a moment some dominoes falling in succession and gaining momentum as they fall. 
The first domino is this. We could spend approximately $175,000 to fix the roof out here. If you've been a long time attender at North Roanoke, remember at North Roanoke, you know about our water, water feature right over here. We've got to eliminate that water feature because that wasn't in the original design, right? And it's causing a whole bunch of issues. So we need to fix the roof. We could relocate and modernize the preschool so that the preschool and kids and students could all be on the upper level together. And then we could begin modernizing the sanctuary. There's no way that $175,000 would cover all that we need to do, but it would be a great, great start. Secondly, we could strive to eliminate the debt ahead of schedule. For those of you who are long time here at North Roanoke, you know that we're approximately $730,000 in debt on the, the community center. Now, is it reasonable to talk about eliminating the debt by this November? You say, why November? Well, November is the time of our next regularly scheduled budget discussion for the upcoming year. Is it, is it reasonable to say we could have that debt gone by this November? Probably not. But I'm reminded of what A.W. Tozer said. God is looking for people through whom he can do the impossible. What a pity that we only plan things that we can do by ourselves. Let me ask you a question, church. Are you one of those people that God wants to do the impossible through in 2019? What if God has blessed you with stored resources that you no longer need or use? A piece of land, a parent's home, an antique car, a vacation home, a card collection, or a stock account. Imagine if this November, if God identified those people through whom He wants to do the impossible to eliminate our debt and suddenly... When we came together in November and we were considering our budget, we automatically had $113,000 more to use and invest in ministry. Because that's what we're spending on the debt every single year right now. What would God do? Would He open a door to plant the church? Would He open a door for us to host an after-school program, open up a preschool, or launch a Christian school for kids who could never afford a Christian school? We now live in a world where most people didn't grow up going to church, church. We live in a world where broken homes are common, a world that needs the church, the church, to offer creative gospel-based solutions to the problems that the world simply cannot solve. You can keep sending money to Washington. You can keep papering over the problems of our world, but it is the church that has the answer. When we treasure Christ we will release our worldly treasures and the world will come to know the worth of our amazing King. I believe with all my heart that if we will be devoted to the Word, if we will pursue authentic Christian community, if we will be desperate for the presence of God and in all of Him together, if we will seek the good of our city and the nations no matter what it costs us, I believe with all my heart that the rest of verse 47 is true. God will give the increase. He added to their number day by day. William Carey said, he was the father of the modern missions movement, we must attempt great things for God. God has not called us to sit on our hands. God has not called us to be indifferent or ambivalent about the things that he's entrusted us to do. But at the end of the day, it is God who will give the increase. And I don't know about you, church, but our God is big. 
Our God is mighty. Our great God is awesome. And He is healer and deliverer and provider. And He wants to save and He wants to change the valley for the glory of Christ. So we can attempt great things for God. And we, at the same time, can expect God to do great things. This morning, I thank you for your extended attention, and now I ask for your prayers that we would be a church that aspires to be healthy for the glory of our King, and that He in turn would do more than we could ever hope or ask or imagine. Would you pray with me? Christ our ascended ruling king. Help us, I pray, to lay down whatever it is you would have us to lay down. To endeavor to do whatever it is that you would call us to do. So that, God, we would be a church that honors you in our obedience, that honors you in our devotion to the word and in our love for one another and our willingness to Sacrifice whatever it is you call us to sacrifice so that others would know how great you are. God, help us to see clearly what the church ought to be so that others can know Christ, our King. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, I don't know what the Lord may have said to you, but as we stand in just a moment to sing, we'd invite you to come and Join North Roanoke Baptist Church if you want to be a part of a church that wants to be crazy for Jesus and reach your city and reach the world. We'd invite you to come and join the team. For those of you who don't yet know Christ the King, you don't even know Him as Savior and Lord, we'd invite you to come as we stand together and sing.